Hey, have you had the chance to check out C.L. Whiteside's The Non-Microwave Truth? I know I've told you about it before, but if you haven't checked it out yet, now is the time. He's got this genuine faith that encourages me every time I listen to him to check out The Non-Microwave Truth anywhere you listen to podcasts. I am so glad that you are taking the time to just hang out with me today because I have a subject that I want to talk to you about, and I think it is just so relevant. We're continuing our March theme, and today's episode is called March Madness, when the world seems to have lost its mind, and you think maybe you're losing yours as well. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. I don't know about you, but I get to this point a lot. When I watch the news for a while, or I get super involved in what's going on politically or just worldwide or or whatever, all of a sudden I'm like, what in the world? Who who believes this? I mean, are, are you kidding me? Are we seriously doing this now? And it can be so easy to go. Everybody's lost their mind. Like the whole world has lost its mind. And first off, I want you to know it's true. The world is crazy. Just read the Bible. It always has been. (laughs) It was not long after creation. Creation happened in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 3, we read about the fall into sin. And by Genesis chapter 6, God is saying, wow, everybody is utterly wicked, and all their inclinations are only evil all the time. Even God was like, this is crazy. This has gone off the rails. Are you serious? Is this how we're living now? Is this what we're going to do? Tower of Babel. The people decided, you know, let's just build a tower to get to heaven. I mean, I don't know. But I see a lot of skyscrapers, and I'm thinking, those are tall. But how crazy do you have to be to think that you could build a tower to get to heaven? Or at least that was so prominent that it looked like the glory was all yours. Things don't last that long. But here these people were thinking, we, 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 we're great, we're awesome, look at us. And let's face it, we, we're there, right? The world is always doing this stuff. The world is always going, we are high achievers and look what we have done. And look at this new technology and look at, look at, look at, look at. We are so much better. We know so much more. We have, quote unquote, evolved. Look at us. So it's always been the same. Look at King Saul. So David had decided he needed to run away. He couldn't stay and because King Saul had decided he was going to kill him. And so David took off and he stopped at the priest of Nob and he asked for some bread and he took the, the dedicated bread and then he took Goliath's sword and he went on his way. The priest was completely and totally innocent. He didn't know anything. He didn't know that David was running from King Saul because David and Saul had always been you know, cohorts. They had 
been in it together. David had gone off to war and brought victories to Israel. And so how would this priest know that the relationship had soured and that David was on the run? David certainly didn't tell him. Well, Saul heard about it, went to the priest, and um, thought that this priest was conspiring with David, even though the priest was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So he ordered and commanded that this priest be killed. And the men in Saul's army were like, uh, we're going to draw a line here. This is crazy. I don't think I can do this. But there was just one man, his name was Doeg, and he he decided, you know, he could do this. He was going to earn the king's favor. Well, that wasn't enough for King Saul. King Saul had to go into Nob and kill all the priests, 70 men. And anybody looking at this would go, you're kidding, right? This is crazy. What has the world come to? Things shouldn't be this way. So if you're looking at the world and you think, man, evil has just run rampant, guess what? You're right. Now, I think the thing that is even harder than looking at the world and going, this is craziness. I can't believe people are doing this, is when sin comes into the church or into another Christian's life. And you're thinking, no, 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 we expect this kind of behavior out there, but we don't expect our Christian friends to have adultery in their life. Or we don't expect the kid in youth group to be addicted to porn. Or we don't expect the kid in church to die of a drug or overdose. Or, you know, we can just be all of a sudden so taken aback when sin comes into the church and into Christian families' lives. And again, that's only if we're not reading the Bible. Look at David. I mean, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife. Uriah was one of his mighty men. I mean, crazy. Look at Ananias and Sapphira and the lie that they told and how they were after the same sort of praise that Barnabas got. And and it ended in this crazy, you know, lying and falling over dead and Look at Judas. I mean, he walked with Jesus for three years. He was part of the 12, Jesus' closest friends, and he betrayed Jesus. There's nothing new here, nothing at all. Look at how hated Jeremiah was. He was God's spokesman, and he was working on God's order, and he was hated. He was persecuted until the Babylonians came. And then the captain of guard took care of Jeremiah and the people finally came to him. They were ready to listen. But up until then, if you read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah had to been thinking, this is crazy. I am living among people who who don't believe a word that I say. Like God keeps telling me, this is what's going to happen. The Babylonians are going to come. They are going to take over. Israel will fall. Jerusalem will fall. And and Jeremiah is hearing this from God, and he's telling the people, and the people are like, yeah, no. No, not going to happen. In fact, we need to lock you up because you keep spreading these atrocious lies, and God would never do that. And 
then it happened. But in all those years, Jeremiah must have been thinking, I am living in crazy town. I, I don't even know anymore. Am I hearing the right things? Why doesn't anybody else believe? Jesus said that it was going to be this way. In Matthew 7, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Look, the broad road is destruction. The majority of the world finds comfort in demonic ideology. The world says we are the gods. We make the rules. God, capital G, doesn't know anything. Who is he? He's outdated. We don't want to listen to him. We need to take what we can. We need to do what gives us pleasure. It doesn't matter if we manipulate others. It's all about us. We're better than they are. And we even disguise these things as better, smarter, safer way. Like, this is the new and improved. This is the modern way of thinking. And that's the majority. So it shouldn't surprise us when we're looking at the world and we're going, ah, something's crazy here. When Satan came to Eve, he pretended to care. Now he didn't, but he pretended to. He said, I'm going to give you a better life. Insinuating that, you know, that it was more fun, it was more exciting to do things his way. What he didn't say is, I'm going to teach you to sin, and your sin will hold you captive, and it's going to make you miserable. Satan called God a liar. You will not surely die. He questioned God's love. God knows if you eat the fruit, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, as if God was withholding something good from Adam and Eve, when in reality... Adam and Eve were living in perfect peace already. Satan said, eat the fruit. It'll make you equal to God. You can be God. You can make your own rules. And how does that work? Well, if you read the Bible, you see from the minute we were plunged into sin, things haven't gone so well. Adam and Eve's own son killed their other son. There was murder right at the beginning. The book of Judges. Man, you want to see how living in sin affects a nation? Read the book of Judges. We continually read that the people stopped following God. They didn't care about God's way. They did what the other nations did. They worshiped the other nations' God. They did what was right in their own eyes. And things were a total mess. So we've established the world is crazy or more specific the world is utterly evil and under the spell, under the direction of Satan. So what does this mean for us? Well, we are often going to find ourselves swimming upstream, going against culture, very much like Jeremiah, very much like the people of God. And so how do we survive without losing our minds? Well, I'm going to give you three things. First, we've got to find our strength in God. In Isaiah 41 verse 10, we read, So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says he will strengthen us. He will help us. And he loves it when we pray and tell him we're waiting for this. Like, God, I'm taking you at your word. I know what your word says, and this is what you say. And so, Lord, I need you to strengthen me. I need you to help me. I can't do this on my own. I am totally dependent on you. And so often, as the Apostle Paul said, when we are at our weakest, that's when God's strength shines through. So yeah, if we're feeling like we're going to lose our mind, if we're feeling like we don't know how to make it in this crazy world, it's okay. God says, depend on me. I'm going to help you. I'm going to strengthen you. So don't be dismayed and do not be afraid because you'll be upheld by me and I'm strong enough. Second, there's always strength in numbers. So as you feel like you are utterly alone, as Jeremiah did, and as so many people in the Bible did, you can usually find someone. Jeremiah had, I think his name was Baruch, who helped him, who um, Jeremiah dictated and Baruch wrote things down. And, you know, he had somebody, the prophets, Elijah and Elisha, they had servants who helped them. The three men in the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had each other and Daniel, someone to stand strong with. So many times we read about Paul's companions. You know, when he was in prison, he had Luke with him, or Timothy came to him, or Titus, or, or one of the other people who helped him in ministry. And so he very often had somebody there. And we can find that mutual encouragement when we do life with other people. And I'm just going to put a little <laughs> promo in right here. If you haven't joined a small group, whether it's a women's Bible study, an in-home Bible study, a small group that's offered at your church, I cannot tell you enough, that can be your support group. And if that support group doesn't work. If you join a small group and you just don't seem to mesh, start a different one. I've been in many throughout the years. I've met wonderful, marvelous people. I still am in touch with many of them. And we've kind of, my husband and I have sort of done several different groups at different times. And I've had many different groups at different churches that I've done women's Bible studies at. And I just can't say enough that if you study the Bible with somebody, they will support you. They will encourage you. They will pray with you. You will find that you are not alone. But I want you to know that even when you do find yourself completely alone, God is going to make sure that you know that he's there. Look at Jacob as he was running away from Esau. He was going to Haran where his mother was from. And he stopped to sleep at the night. And he, for the night, he was completely alone. I mean, completely alone. And God appeared to him in a dream. And he made promises to him. When Joseph was in prison, it says that while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God made sure that we understood that Joseph was not in prison by himself, all alone. Nobody was there. God was there. Daniel, when he was in the lion's den, all alone, there wasn't anybody with him. The three men in the fiery furnace, they had each other. And the angel of the Lord who showed up with them, um, Daniel said that God sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Elijah, when he was despondent, just wanted, wanted to die, God sent an angel. So 
you're not alone. Even if you can't find that friend, God is with you and he is going to help you. So number two, make sure that you understand their strength in numbers. And even if you can't find anybody else, you plus God is overwhelmingly more powerful than anybody or anything that you face. So those are good odds. Number three, you know the ending. So even if there isn't a happy ending here on earth, and you know, look, sometimes there isn't. Sometimes the disease ends in death. Sometimes you lose the job. Sometimes the marriage doesn't work. Not every situation ends in a happy ending on earth. But this isn't the end of the story. Look at Lazarus. Poor Lazarus had sores. He didn't have enough to eat. He longed for just a little bit of food from the rich man's table and they got nothing until he went to heaven. And there he had no pain. He was in bliss for eternity. While the rich man who had it all while he was on earth, he went to hell. And he was in agony and torment for eternity. There was a young man from our church. He's a very special young man to our family. We've spent many years with him. His parents were missionaries, and so they were out of the country for his college years. And so when he would come home for Christmas, uh, he would spend a lot of time with us. And we just got very close to him. And he recently joined the Army. And when he got back from boot camp, we invited him over and we just sat as a family and listened to his stories. And it was so incredible. I mean, the things that he had to do and how he had to endure. And he was so weary and there was lack of sleep because you always had to be up in the middle of the night. And you had to keep doing your field exercises, even if it was pouring rain and They had cold at night and the tent was wet. And I mean, all these stories of survival and how hard it was. And as he was talking to us, he said, I realized as I was going through boot camp that all of life is like boot camp, that there are so many incredibly hard things and challenges and things that we have to endure, and it seems like it never ends. But after that 10 weeks of boot camp, you're done. You go to your assignment. It's different. You don't, you don't have that anymore. And he said, likewise, after we die, we start to enjoy eternity in heaven. So after this boot camp of this world, we have all of eternity to just enjoy God's presence and not have to suffer. And I just thought that was the most incredible thought. John, Jonathan Edwards said, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. This is the deal. The world is crazy, but you, Christian friend, are not. You are just in the pilgrimage of your journey and longing for home where the wrongs will be righted, where you'll never be lonely, you'll never be weary, you'll never be hungry, 
You'll never stumble. You'll never experience the consequences of sin. So keep going. Find your strength in God. Find your strength in other people. And know that when you walk with God, the ending will be good. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey guys, I just want to take a minute to thank every single one of you who has taken the time to pray for the important work we're doing, or made a donation, or took the time to encourage any one of us at Time of Grace. I want you to know we appreciate you, and we're thrilled to partner with you to bring the hope of the gospel to the world. 